Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Thank you for worshiping today. We uh, are, some of us are wearing these shirts today because we're launching a new ministry today. Our, Our ministry of trying to reach the fatherless and love the fatherless. Maybe you came in and you saw the, the, the table out there. Please check that out. Uh, we are, many of you, our church has a history of, of welcoming the, the widows, loving the orphans, uh, taking care of those in need. We, over the last six months, we've really, really been passionate about praying a lot, seeking God's face, uh, choosing to, to bring something together that maybe it's more intentional about loving the fatherless, taking care of the fatherless, caring for the fatherless. Um, our, our valley, as you know, if you've been here any length of time, we've struggled with this through the decades. Uh, it seems like with uh, the collapse of the family, with uh, some of the drug culture and some of the brokenness there, the issue of orphans is, is growing. The issue, uh, the need is, is multiplying, as you were. Uh, and we want to do something about it. So we're starting this, this ministry called Fathers in the Field. Uh, and you can learn more about it. We have a potluck today after the cer- second service. You're all invited back to that. Uh, our missionary Mike is going to be sharing uh, during our potluck about how to get involved, what it means. But really, just so you, if you're not coming back, we, we, we have this, this, this deal with 7-year-olds to 17-year-olds in our, in our community. There's a lot of fatherless boys. There's a lot of fatherless boys that need help. And there's a lot of single moms that, that need help. There's a lot of people, families in our community that just uh, need help. And so we want to create a culture where we have uh, these, these boys that we reach out to, that we, we bring them into God's family. But we, we, we call men to be mentors, mentor fathers, call, call men, grandpas, great-grandpas, uh, godly men to, uh, to, to say, I'll, I'll serve those boys. I'll, 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 in the absence of their fathers, in the absence of their, their family, I'll step in and I'll be that mentor. And uh, it's something you guys, I, I, know, I know the guys of this church. I know the character of the, the men of this church. I know the heart of the men of this church. We've been talking about this for years. Different guys have welled up and said, I, I'd like to do a camping ministry. I'd like to do some kind of a hunting ministry. I'd like to do something to, to serve the, the kids of our valley that are lost. And we can do it. Yeah, the, the men of this church, God's placed within you uh, skills, histories, talents that can be used, your hobbies for God's glory and for the betterment of, of kids that are needing help. And, and women, we need you as well. Um, how do we connect with the single moms? How do we, how do we bridge that gap and help those, those moms? You know, they're looking for help, you know, connect their boys to mentors, connect their boys and their families to church. Um, we need you moms, we need you men to, to tie in. 
And so, uh, yeah, please, we're going to have a, we're having a church potluck today. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to fellowship together after the second service. Please come to that. And uh, Mike's going to explain some more. But that's why we're wearing these, these shirts today. And I have to tell you, this is the first time in 20 years I've ever worn a T-shirt to church. <laughs> I'm stressing out a little bit. But for the purpose of the mission, I want to promote it. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's continue our worship with uh, uh, opening the Word of God together. Please open your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 26. James chapter 1, verse 26. Father, we do ask for your blessing upon the reading of your word, or the study of your word, the, the preaching of your word. We ask that uh, you would do your work in us. You'd call us to what you want us to do and what you want us to be and how you want us to live. We, uh, we ask for your grace, Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So James chapter 1, verse 26 if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Uh, James is a, is a wonderful book. Uh, it's been confusing to many over the centuries. But really, it's, it's got a very basic structure to it, uh, and it's found here in verses 26 and 27. Uh, James's heart is, is, he calls the church, he calls us, calls the church through the centuries to be doers of the word, to not just be hearers of the word, not just be like, hey, the word says this and, and walk away from it, but to receive the word and do the word, be a people of God, practicing our faith obediently. Uh, in in this, this, this little section we read, he's, he's making application, and he's going to three very specific arenas that he explodes the rest of the book. He's talking about bridled tongues or controlled speech. He's talking about caring for others. He's talking about moral purity. That third one I'm not going to talk about today because I just don't have the time, but those first two I, I want to dive into because uh, God's heart is, is being, being spoken to us. Um, and and it's, these are really tests for us to see where we are with God. Uh, have, you, have you thought about uh, the word religion before? When you think of religion, what, what do you think it, it means? There's several different connotations, different ways of talking about religion. Religion is a system of belief, right? There's Judaism or Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or Christianity. That's one idea of religion. Some people talk about if you're a religious person, some people use it as a, as a, in a negative connotation, like a religious person is somebody that's trying to earn salvation through their works, trying to do enough good works to be saved. Uh, that's one connotation. That's not what's happening here in James. Uh, another connotation is it's a, a system of, of expressions of belief. Like my religion is, is what I do. Uh, there's all kinds of religious works that James doesn't really mention for Christians in his book. Uh, Lord's Supper, um, baptism. Uh, he talks about things like maybe tithing or song services or, or, or prayer services or fasting. Or there's all kinds, of, there's multitudes of different practices of religion. 
right? Religion, religious behaviors that you and I have done. Uh, what he comes here in verses 26 and 27 is, is he, he's talking about a religion that expresses our faith. Uh, in other words, what is right religion? What, what, is, what is a religion that in God's sight is pure? A, a, a behavior, an activity, uh, an outworking of our faith. What, what does it look like? What, what does it mean to be true religious people? And it's, it's, he means it positively, and he means it strongly and boldly. He's calling us to be religious in the best sense of the term. The expression of our faith played out in life. The expression of our faith lived out before people, before God, in the world. When you think about religion, maybe, maybe what comes to mind is, maybe if you've read the Old Testament, some like a bunch of people going to a temple and offering sacrifices, off, you know, giving offerings to God, burnt offering, peace offering, grain offering, whatever. Or maybe if you've watched some television, when you think about religion, you think about some, maybe in an Eastern religion, Eastern religion, maybe some monks or priests going up on a mountain and chanting, meditating. Uh, there's different ways to think about the practice of religion. What James wants us to be about is people that are living our life as worshipers in response to Jesus and what he's done for us to live it out in practical, tangible, concrete, real-life ways. And so he has, the rest of the book, really, in the, in the area of, of controlled speech, uh, you can read chapter 3 and parts of chapter 4. He, he explains that. Uh, the, the caring for people, chapter 2. Um, caring for the poor caring is, is huge. The whole chapter is about caring for people. And then moral purity, uh, be unstained in this world, chapters 3, 4, and 5, hit on that again and again. He wants to hit these things hard. Not because he, it's not like a comprehensive sense of what it means to re, be religious, but for these, these, these are very, very practical things. Maybe in his community, maybe the people he's writing to, he feels like they're, they're, they're not understanding what it means to be religious in a pleasing way to God, in, in, a, in, a, in a, a real, real life way that's glorifying to God. So verse 26, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. It's, it's related to verse 27, but if, if anyone thinks he's religious, it's not bridle his tongue, but, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. What? He, he, all, there, there, there's, there's all kinds of religious things that aren't, aren't worthless in and of themselves. Like coming to church, uh, being with the family of God, this, this isn't worthless. Um, praying isn't worthless. Singing to the Lord, going in our prayer closets or whatever during the week and, 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 and being with God, that's not worthless. But he says there's, 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 there's ways of living. If we're not living in certain ways, what does it matter if you go up on a mountain and chant? What, what, is, what, if it, what does it matter if you fast seven days if it doesn't affect the way you treat people, the way you live God's life towards people in the real world? And so he, he, he throws it out there. We could be deceiving ourselves, thinking, hey, I, I'm good to go with God. I'm a religious person. I, I'm just what God wants. Like the Pharisee in Luke, you can write down Luke 18, 
Like, man, I'm not like this, this tax collector. I'm not like those losers. You know, I tithe, I fast, I do all the religious things. We might be deceiving ourselves thinking that we're on the right track religiously if we're just being religious. Uh, and speech comes to mind for James, and it's, it's a passion for him. How we talk, how, how, we, how we talk about others, how we talk about people around us, how, how we speak to others. It's a massive, massive thing in James's mind. Notice the, the metaphor he uses here, uh, uh, an unbridled tongue. Some of you uh, have horses, some of you know all about those kind of things, but a tongue that's not controlled is not godly. It's not the religion that God wants to see in our life. Uh, unbridled tongue, what, what does that mean? Well, we, we could come up with several different explanations or, or descriptions. Maybe, maybe you're, you're, the, you're, you're, the, you're the church person that's never missed church for 20 years. Maybe you got the gold star for memorizing Bible verses. But if you're cursing people during the week, if you're attacking people with your words, you know, not constructive criticism, but attacking criticism, if you're gossiping about people behind the scenes, if you're making uh, terrible jokes about people and running their character through the mud, if you're calling them names, the list goes on and on and on about an unbridled tongue. We want to bring our speech under God's reign. We want to have our speech come from the heart. Uh, just an example of, of worthless religion. If you turn back to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Uh, this, uh, this section of scripture, one of the verses is on my t-shirt. Uh, it's a big part of the fathers and field ministry. Just the, what God wants to see from his people. But look at chapter 10. Let's talk about worthless religion, um, what, what it means. Uh, and just to set the context, uh, Israel, for various seasons of their journey, they were very um, religious in the practice of their faith. Uh, there was times where they were very, uh, very compliant to God's commands and demands for cleanliness laws or going to the temple and offering sacrifices, doing everything appropriately and everything right. But then God looked at how they lived in relation to people, and it made God want to vomit. Verse 10, Isaiah 1. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. He's talking about Jerusalem. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. He's talking about the Jewish people. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, of lambs, or of goats. Okay, so he's talking about their, their worship. They're, they're, they're doing all the prescribed offerings. They're bringing the sin offerings. They're bringing the fellowship offerings. They're bringing all the things that God requires of them. You know, what, what does God require of you, you know? Well, they, they, they looked at it very, very legalistically even, very, very strictly, like God says bring an offering for this. God says bring an offering for this. God says go to the temple here. God goes, says go to the festival here. God says to do this, and they did it. And God says, I'm sick of it because you're not authentic. You're, you're, you're not, 
Look what it says. When you come and appear before me, who's required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring me no more vain offerings or futile offerings or worthless offerings. Your incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocations. He even calls the Sabbath observance worthless because, well, look what it says. Your, your, your new moons, verse 14, your point of feast, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I'm, not, I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers. It's very, they're very religious. I will not la- listen because your hands are full of blood. Uh, and so what was happening was the people were um, very aggressive in terms of their taking advantage of other people, of stealing from one another, of being injustice, acting unjustly towards the poor. The rich would take advantage of the poor in the legal system or in different ways. They'd rip them off. They'd find a reason to steal their houses or find a reason to enslave their fellow Jews in the, the metaphor of blood, like you're, you're killing people, and then you dare come and worship. You're, 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 you're destroying people's lives, and, and you dare pretend that you can come into my house and, and receive forgiveness when you have no intention of changing your behavior. So he says to them, you know, if, if you really want to be a true worshiper, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil from your evil deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do the things you're doing, in other words. Cease to stop living unjustly, stop living in lustful ways for, for money or, or for position or pride. Stop taking advantage of people. Learn to do good, verse 17. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, Pre- plead the widow's cause. You see, they, you know, orphans were easy, easy pickings for those who wanted to advance their business interests. Uh, orphans were easy to use for prostitution. Orphans were very easy people to, to uh, rope into your, your, your brick-making factory or whatever. And the widows, once they lost their husband, once they lost their advocate, once in that society, once they lost the person who could defend them, they were easy to enslave as well. So God's heart, man, do justly, act rightly, walk humbly with your God, as Micah says. Live, live a godly life. That's religion. L- live a life that I would live if I were in your place. Treat people the way that they should be treated, as I've treated you. Because we think back, and what, what did God do, man? He rescued them from when they were enslaved. He, he rescued them when they, were, when they were idol worshipers. He came to them. He helped them in their need. He took care of, of their, 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 their bondage. He delivered them. He, and now you're going to enslave people. Now you're going to use people. Now you're going to take advantage of people. Shall not be. Bring justice to those who are helpless. Deliver those who are oppressed. That's true. Religion. Are we taking care of our brothers? Are we taking care of our sisters? 
Are we serving those who can't serve themselves or help themselves? Or are we living for ourselves and going to church? So that's where an example from the Old Testament that comes into James. And so, so James, he's, he's like, man, your, your speech, it's killing me. The way, the way you're uh, abusing people with your words, the way you're cutting people down, the way you're lying about people and slandering people and, and, and tearing people apart. Man, so, so much of James, I, it, he doesn't come out and express it, but it, it, it flows from the Gospel of Matthew. Let me show you a verse from the Gospel of Matthew, just uh, from Jesus, how Jesus talked about these things. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 uh, he's talking about the keeping of the law and being religious and, and, and you know, the, the legalists in us, we always want to go to the bare minimum. And Jesus, when he talked about doing God's will, doing God's word, being, being doers of the word, he, he, used, he talked about it in a comprehensive way. He didn't hold back. He went all the way. What does it mean? So in verse 21, he says, You've heard it said that those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable of judgment. Chapter 5, verse 21. You've heard, you know, don't murder. And like the Pharisees, all of us Pharisees are saying, yeah, I've never killed anybody. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother, how do you insult him with your words? You'll be liable to counsel. And whoever says, you fool. How many, how many times have those words come out of our mouth with some of our coworkers or some of our children or, or some of our, our parents or some, some of the people in the community? Fools. How are you using your words? You'll be liable to the hell of fire. It, very strong words. But, but how, 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 how good is it if, if we go on these retreats or, uh, man, I, I, I went on this, 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 uh, this retreat where we sang songs for 10 days. And Jesus says, well, how good is that if you've murdered people with your words? You, you can be religious externally in, in a variety of ways. But if your heart, you know, a test to see where your heart is, is what comes out of your mouth. Are you living for me? Is your, is your love for me, is your faith in me being expressed in ways that are pleasing to me? It always, and that, that, man, you start looking around at some of these, these teachings. You can write down Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Man, those who love fulfill the law. You can write down 1 Corinthians 13. You know, I, I can do all these things, but if I have not love, what am I? So the, the, the practical outworking of our life, it can be wicked or wrong or worldly, or it can be godly. James is saying true religion, the way we live, is really what I want. I want, I want you to love people with your words, as you love people with your hands and with, with your intellect. I want you to love people with the things you say. Are you encouraging people? Are you building people up? Are you edifying people? Are, are you blessing people with your words? Or are you tearing them down? Man, some of the marriages... Right? Even in this room right now, some of the marriages where, where, where spouses are chirping each other or dragging each other down or cursing each other in negative ways, that downward spiral, 
God doesn't want anything to do with that. You, you, you live that way and then you come to church and say, hey, I'm holy, I came to church. You know, all these religious practices. And, and James isn't saying that some of our practices, our spiritual disciplines are wrong. Of course not. We need to grow. We need to study the Bible. We, we need to pray. We, we need to be together corporately with the body of Christ. We're commanded to do that. These are good things. But, you know, so what if you've memorized the gospel of Mark if you beat your wife? So, so what if you've been able to fast for three straight days if everything that comes out of your mouth is, is tearing people apart, murdering people? So you see in verse 26, you've heard that it was said, well, I'll go back to James. James's heart in, in 1.26, then he, again, he, he brings it out in, in chapter 3, really. If anyone thinks he's religious, does not bridle his tongue, you're deceiving yourself. God's not interested in those external things if, if there's not a real life relationship with him that expresses itself in real life love for others. That's true religion. I think I've said enough about that. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And like I said, the third part is to keep oneself unstained from the world. Um, religion that is pure and undefiled. Man, you can't get any higher than that, can you? Pure and undefiled. Those are Old Testament, Old Testament lingo, lingo for, you know, unstained um, Purity, you know, the purity laws, the ceremonial purity laws, the, the language comes from that. Religion that God, you know, the, the highest standard, pure and undefiled, he says, is to take care of orphans and widows, widows and orphans. And, and you might say, well, really, is that, is that the best, is that the highest thing? And I don't know, God says it. So I, I but you've you, you got to realize that it's not just that. It goes beyond that. There's a hundred different ways to be orphan lovers, so to speak. There's a thousand different ways to be widow lovers beyond just loving the orphan and the widow because there's a thousand different people out there in need that need our help. But what's the big deal? So, so orphans and widows, like in our culture, in our day, Right, the modern foster care system, uh, I think, got started in 1962 or thereabouts. Before that, there was a lot of orphanages. There was a lot of uh, of abuse going on, uh, well-meaning things that, that took place uh, to take care of, of kids without parents. Um, you know, some tragedies happened, and but so our our modern culture, you know. Started in the 60s and 70s, the foster care system, and maybe it's better to get people out of orphanages and into homes, you know. Um, and so, yeah, we can all agree with that. So, some of the things that were happening in orphanages and the disconnect without relationship to family, uh, we're, we're all meant to be in a family, we're all meant to be connected with, with people. That, you know, that's the tragic thing about the collapse of the nuclear family today, the collapse of, of father and mother loving children, raising children in, in an extended family even. Um, so, so uh, we, we come to our, our day and age, and we still have widows and orphans. But back, back in James' time, in the, in, the, in the Gentile culture, in the Greek culture, uh, 
You know, there, there was no government subsidies. There was no government uh, um, watchdogs. There, there was nothing. Uh, if, if, you, if you lost your husband as a wife, you didn't have any, any uh, you couldn't get food stamps. You couldn't get any, any kind of help. If you didn't have a family member that was willing to take you in, you were in trouble. There wasn't like, uh, like a lot of vocations that a woman could enter into. Um, if you were an orphan, if you didn't have a family that would take you in, you were red meat for abuse. You were red meat for people using you for whatever ends they desired, economically or, or sexually or, or what have you. And so uh, the, the big deal is, is that, man, there's people that need help. And Jesus' church are the ones called to give help. And you see the, 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 the breakdown sometimes. If all, we do, if all we ever do is go to church, well, that's fine. If all we ever do is, is write checks for tithing, well, that's good to a degree. If we are growing in our knowledge of God, praise God. If we have a great theological understanding, we've memorized Calvin's Institutes or something like that, well, that's great. But God says, what about those who are in need? I've charged you, I've given you the calling to be my ambassadors. And, and this, this really flows from who God is, right? And what God's done. Uh, you can write down, I think it's Psalm 68, 5. Um, God's character, he's the father of the fatherless. As Luke mentioned, God is love. God is light. You know, God's character, God's identity is something that we should build from and something we should launch from or something we should model. But, but more than just who he is, it's what he's done. And think about your life, what God has done for you. Think about your life, about how he's rescued you. Um, I think it's a big deal, like, love the helpless Love those who need help, because that's what God did to us. There's so many scriptures, and, and uh, I, I could literally keep you here for hours. But uh, let me, I, the one I picked out today, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Our life should be modeled on God's incarnational ministry our lives should be lived based upon how god has treated us and how he's called us to live beloved let us love one another for love is from god and whoever loves has been born of god and knows god that that's that's kind of james's point in, in like a worthless religion it's called to be a test like if you don't love people are you a christian Test yourself. Look at your heart. If all you're doing is cutting people down with your words or using people or abusing people, as they did in Isaiah 1, do you know me? Because God is love. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world. We might live through him. Isn't that, isn't that wild? Jesus incarnationally came in the world to love us, to meet our need, to bring us to a place that we couldn't bring ourselves. 
He came to set us free. When we were enslaved, when we were in bondage, he came from heaven to meet our need. Even though we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. <laughs> we couldn't demand it. We weren't precious, you know, in and of ourselves. We were idol worshipers. We, we, we were enemies of God, and yet Jesus came for us. It's amazing, isn't it? That's what we celebrate at the communion table every week, the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I think God makes a big deal about us loving, serving, caring for, visiting widows and orphans because that's the gospel enfleshed. His love for us wasn't supposed to stop with us, but it was supposed to emanate from us to others. True religion. Verse 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but he's loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Wow. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought, to, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By, and it goes on from there. But you see how uh, our, our lifestyle, uh, the expression of our faith that comes out is to be rooted and it flows from the way God has treated us. And you can even put it in the sense of when we talk about being adopted by God into the family of God, God came to us when we were orphans. God came to us when we didn't have family. We had nobody defending us. We had nobody caring for us. We had nobody loving for us. But God called our name. And when we responded in faith to his gospel call, he wrote our names into his book. He engraved his name on, our, on his hand. We're his now. And that, that love, that, uh, that, that's what James is talking about with loving widows and orphans. I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to go here, but let, let me take it farther. Uh, if you turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, just so you understand the scope of this and, and how it's so indicative of what it means to be Christians and, and what it means to be the church. Matthew 25, verse 31. When we start our Revelation sermon series uh, in September, we'll probably come back to this, uh, but we're going to hit Matthew in different ways uh, as we walk out that sermon series to the book of Revelation. But this, this is, is something that maybe you've wondered about, how am I saved? Am I saved? How do I know if I'm saved? When the Son of Man, uh, chapter 25, verse 31 of Matthew, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people from, as, as one, from one another as a shepherd separates uh, the sheep from the goats. Separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom God prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Okay? For I was hungry, and you gave me food. He's talking about helpless people there. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. He was talking about thirsty people that needed their thirst quenched there. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Maybe an alien in our midst from another country. Maybe somebody that's lost their home. 
I was naked and you clothed me. I, I was sick and you visited me. There's somebody that's in need of help that needs helped. I was in prison and you came to me. Somebody that has no hope. You came to me. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty? And we, when did we give you drink? When did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did, you see a sick or, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? You know, like, what? They're, we don't, we don't remember doing this. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these of my brothers, in other words, he's probably talking about the church, but extends beyond the church, as you've loved those in need, you've loved me. If you've helped the helpless, you've helped me. And, and so it's, it's not a means of salvation, but it's indicative, indicative of those who have salvation. Those who, who have been loved, who've received the love of God, who've come under the reign of the King, who've surrendered their life to Jesus, who have trusted Him for everything, those people tend to respond. What is worship? It's our response to what God has done for us. Hey, the people that are prepared for the kingdom, these are the things they do. And they're shocked. You can tell they're not working for salvation through their good works. They're not religious that way because they're shocked about what's going on. But Jesus says, these are the kind of people that find themselves in the kingdom. Those who have received love from God, who've come under his reign, his rule, have repented and trusted in him, they're the ones who live out, in my words, true religion. Right religion. You know, the goal of our church is not to get more and more people into this building in terms of attending worship services. That's good and that's fine and that's proper. Uh, the goal of our church is not to uh, uh, <laughs> just, just uh, get more people uh, just reading the Bible. You know, that's great in and of itself. It's a religious work, but we want to see people transformed. We want to see people living for Jesus. We want to see people living out the gospel, uh, living godly lives. How to worship for God. So, so, so James's James's heart is man. There's there's a test there. Are, are you loving people or not? If you're not loving people, if you're not doing sacrificial work for the benefit of others, we call it love. As Jesus loved us, He gave His life away for us. If we're not in some fashion sacrificing ourselves, our time, our energies, our labors to bless other people, to help the helpless, to serve the needy, to rescue the orphans and the widows, do we have true relationship with God? Do we know what we're doing? Um, right religion, true religion, pure religion serving the people that can't pay us back is loving those who haven't earned it. As we were God's enemies at one point, and yet God still came and served us, true religion is, is loving those who hate us even. 
seeking their benefit, seeking their good, seeking their welfare. And so James, in his day, in his time, a very practical way of doing that was love, serve, orphans, and widows. And again, there might be, we just heard last week that there's an opening for a jail chaplain. There's different ways of feeding people in our community. Great. But maybe for our sake, maybe let's take care of orphans and widows. Let's practice true religion. Luke, would you please come? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we so, so, so love you. <laughs> and we, we just don't want those to be words. We want, want that to be expressed, an expression of our faith in the way we live. But Lord, we, we confess, we, we, we realize we didn't deserve your love. We didn't deserve your, your heart for us. You're, you're, you're coming for us. You're, you're chasing after us. You're pursuing us. We, we, didn't, we didn't deserve you going to the cross. <laughs> it's all grace. It's a gift. Lord, may, may we be your people. Not just in word. May we be your people. Not just in, in the things we say or our bumper stickers. May we be your people by the way we live. May, may all the world see how great you are and how, how loving you are through your people. So we ask for the grace, Lord. We ask for the, the mind to see things, to work things out, to, to look around in our community and you know, maybe the relationships we already have, the, the widows we already know, the, the fatherless that are, are in need of help. Give us, give us grace to, show, to know how to love them practically in your name. And whatever that might be, just the different all the connections in this room and all the needs in this valley, may, may, may at the end of the day, may, may you see us uh, helping the helpless and may you be pleased. And may people be helped. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.